Hello, all, and welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly enough wrestling, um, but I can tell you this. What I have watched uh, can sometimes be wild and wacky, and uh, it's rather dizzying at times to the point where I think I'm seeing double. Ah! I'm gonna... I, I, have, I had no idea where that was going until the end, so... <laughs> as we finally have as 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 one door opens another door closes around here. <laughs> and finally we're closing the door on the undertaker fighting his 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 copycat we're oh, watching yeah. SummerSlam 90, 1994 woo woo this will be a thing yeah uh, to be fair, we are not watching all of SummerSlam 1994. As a, as a reminder to our past viewers as well as our newer viewers, we don't watch all of a pay-per-view because we have pretty limited time together to, to record these. I have to cut stuff down to, mm-hmm. as to, to, for us to be able to do these pay-per-view shows, which are kind of important because, you know, crazy thought. What if storylines story culminated on a pay-per-view? Oh man, that's that's some revolutionary shit right there, dude. I I'll, I'm gonna need to like sleep on that. Yeah. So I uh, will cover the wrestling card and say what we will and what we won't watch. Okay. Um. Yeah. So the first match on SummerSlam 1994, which we're not <laughs> watching, um, the Head Shrinkers versus Bam Bam Bigelow and Irwin R. Scheister. Uh, apparently that got bumped to main card. Uh, it was advertised as a pre-show match last we were here. And they were like, you know what? People should pay to see this. <laughs> Why? <laughs> as a, and in comparison, they made the pre-show ma- the dark match, uh, Adam bomb versus Quang, which I'm, I, I believe I've mentioned both of them, but we've not seen either. Of yeah. Them. I think our very first episode, you just like when you were dumping about every single new generation person that was on there, but uh, we have not seen them. I don't think. Yes. Yeah. When I was being like new generation has a lot of dumb characters, for example, for example, uh, I mentioned here's that. literally every character in the new generation. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, then we're we are the second match, which we are also not going to watch. Rip to this one is Alundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano for the WWF Women's oh, Championship. Oh, you know that that was the cut that hurt the most to me. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to watch that match, but I try to I try to plan these out in terms of like what is the most narratively important for us mm-hmm. based on what we've already talked about. And in that sense, I can't justify doing Blaze and Nakano. That's fair. I, we got to watch Bull Nakano last time, and it was awesome. So I'll I'll accept this one. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it was a very good match. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the first match we are going to watch, and the third match on the show, is Diesel with Shawn Michaels in his corner versus mm-hmm. Razor Ramon with Walter right. Payton in his corner for the Intercontinental Championship. Okie dokie, okie dokie. Uh, I want to say that I gave David a, a, a choice on this. Is is that between this and the next match, of like, which one do you want to watch? I can't decide between. And he picked this one, and so that's why we're watching that. As opposed okay. to the next thing I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, the fourth match on the card, uh, Lex Luger versus Tatanka. Oh, yeah. Hi. I wonder why I picked one over the other. 
Yeah, uh, in the battle for Lex Luger's soul, I guess. Is it really a battle for his soul when Lex Luger swears that, that he isn't with Ted DiBiase? <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, that whole storyline is just the stupidest shit. I don't understand, like, Ted DiBiase, to me, is just such an enigma in terms of why he's such a thing, because I, I just don't get it. Every Ted DiBiase thing we've watched is some weirdly, needlessly convoluted retread of the same shtick every single time, and it doesn't get any more charming with 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 the passing time. Like we saw the we saw the thing with the Andre the Giant, um, the, the Andre the Giant championship that just felt disrespectful to Andre. Uh, he's kind of doing the he's you know he's he's one of the pilots of the freaking Undertaker versus Undertaker thing, and then. He for some reason just over here pretending like he signed Lex Luger, even though Luger's clearly like, uh, no, you didn't, bro. And I have no idea what the narrative setup here is and what's supposed to get paid off. Like, Unfor- I, I just, unfortunately, so I know the payoff, but we're saving that for the back half. Okay, it's not great. Of course, it's not. Shocker. Anyway, uh, then we're skipping. Match five, Jeff Jarrett versus Mabel. Country versus Rap. Great. Cool. Tale as old as 1991. Finally, the next match we're going to watch, we skip more sh- matches on this show than we watch. That and a big reason for that is because this match takes an hour of the pay-per-view broadcast time. If you include the stuff that happens before and after, it takes an hour. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart in a steel cage for the WWF Championship. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh, my that, God. I have high expectations of that. Uh, oh my is, god. This is the big blow off to this storyline, you know, this they th- you know, Brett and Owen they don't really get along as in as characters until really till Bret Hart turns heel in 96. But in terms of like their big like fighting each other story, that it kind of culminates here with this match right here. That's uh, I I you know, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of forgot that like this was going on because like it's so this era is so bogged down with all the other crazy bullshit. Like the sibling rivalry thing has been almost felt like a footnote, um, which has been a bizarre feeling for me watching it because like every time we watch it, I've acknowledged it, and I'm like something about this doesn't feel quite right. And it probably is just that like it didn't get like it, it felt weirdly like side plotty for what it was now as someone who has watched this week to week for five months uh yeah it 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 doesn't have a huge focus for a wwe title feud Mm -hmm. that is especially between such legendary it is a blood feud between brothers and it kind of doesn't move very fast pace and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a lot of focus most weeks yeah so which is such a choice, but all right. That's but I'm excited. That's yeah. Oh the match should be good anyway. Oh my god! Okay, 
like now that I'm realizing this is a thing is going to happen, and after all the wonderful things I had to say about Bret Hart versus One Two Three Kid, I am legitimately really excited for this part. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. There's going to be something really good here. Okay, okay. And okay. then, and then, of course, our main event, main event, the last match, of course, The Undertaker versus The Undertaker. And don't worry, Leslie Nielsen is on this show to finish cracking the case. What the hell? Anyway, so it, the Sunday Night Slam is August 21st of uh, sun, obviously a Sunday. This pay-per-view aired August 29th, a Monday night pay-per-view. That's a, Ooh. you know, WWE didn't always do pay-per-views every, like, Sundays only. So mm-hmm. it, that's a very, uh, it took them a few years to be like, let's just only do Sunday shows. And so this SummerSlam was on a Monday, so it is a little bit of a weird oddity to look back on. That's uh, that's interesting. So this so this aired in place of Raw then. Yes, there is no Raw on that's, this on August 29th. That is interesting. I um, that that might have been their way of trying to get around the the preemption problem that they have. In that, um, you know, before the year two thousand and three, I want to say two thousand two, two thousand three, some somewhere around that time period. Um, WWE would every year get preempted on the USA Network by uh, the Westminster Dog Show and uh, coverage of the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament. So this is around the time that would happen, and WWE usually found ways to get around that problem. They would air Raw sometimes on different days, or maybe this might have been a, a way to have you know have some content on Monday night even if it's a pay-per-view as opposed to just not having a show. <laughs> I mean that in some ways that is, that is smart um, for mm-hmm. a time when they couldn't they didn't have the power to just, you know, take whatever time slot they fucking wanted. Yeah. But, at this point, like at this point in time, both is kind of like as a proven ratings juggernaut for USA <laughs> network. And because USA network doesn't, cover the u.s open anymore and if they cover, still cover the dog show it doesn't get that good of ratings you know now it's more like we will never move wwe they're, imagine they're getting the preempted con- by the dog show dude yeah uh we didn't talk about it I, actually i probably threw it out there but i don't remember you remember is that the first episode of nitro aired on a week they were preempted by the u.s open <laughs> that that was by complete accident on WCW's part, but like, couldn't it worked out better for them? <laughs> that, that is funny. Um, yeah, but anyway, but yeah. yes, uh, this is, we're still deep in the era. Like nowadays, WWE would never get preempted for anything on, oh, on USA no. network. They're, they're, uh, they're all in on that train, but at yeah, this point in time, they're like, whatever, get, get off here. We got, we got tennis to show. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Come back in a couple weeks. So yeah. So this is a, the summer slam Monday night, but, there was Raw on August 22nd, and I watched it, and I oh, wish God. I didn't. Okay, <laughs> here's why. Here's why. There was no new content. What? I mean, there was in that they had Randy Savage and Vince McMahon in a studio talking about SummerSlam. But otherwise, it was basically a Sunday Night Slam rerun. What? Here's the mat. Here's how the show was structured. There were two matches: Lex Luger versus Crush, and Diesel versus Typhoon. 
you know, the same matches that happened on Sunday Night Slam. They weren't the same matches because they had different finishes to them. But they were the same matchups and had the same winners. Wait. And they had Jim Ross and Gorilla Monsoon do do commentary in post. Uh, okay, why? I don't know why they decided to make, I guess there was a fluke in their taping schedule, I guess. I don't know why they chose to do this this way, but they did. There was no, the the, mat, the match finishes are uh, this, this time, um, DiBiase got involved in the Crush Luger match. He got up and tried to offer Crush a bribe mid-match. And that distracted Crush to allow Lex Luger to hit his forearm and win the match. And then um, Diesel Typhoon, that match ended where instead of Diesel giving him the big boot a couple of times to win, he hit him with the big boot and then hit him with a clothesline. But again, they are structurally the same goddamn match. Wait, I'm so I'm confused. Was it a rerun but with a re-taped finisher? No, I'm pretty sure they just took this match from some other show that like they filmed like I don't know, like they must have filmed this at some point. Okay. I don't know when they filmed it, but it's not the same match as what they had at Sunday Night Slam, but it's the exact same matchups and the exact same winners. Well, but but why? Like I, like, I know you said you don't know why, but like, what could possibly be the reason for doing that? I, I don't get it. Like, was it like would it might have something to do with the fact they had a pay per view coming up and needing all hands on deck to do not raw things? Like, what? I, yeah, I don't know what they because this is the go. This is the last show before SummerSlam. You'd think they'd have something new and interesting on here. But the but thing is, like, don't. But, uh, but the thing is, the last thing we watched too was that was that was the last one we watched Sunday Night Sunday Slam. Or, yeah, oh, yeah. So the last Sunday Night Slam we watched that felt like the the raw before pay per view sort of thing because every it seemed like that was all the pieces like all the final pieces coming into their places. I I mean I guess WWE agreed because yeah. with Raw the next night, but like was. I know the new generation was rough, but was their planning really so piss poor that they were an episode short on like things they could plot out? What? I yeah, I I have no answers for. Why oh my like god! This. And what then a the beautifully and, ridiculous and stupid trash fire ended this then, whole yeah, fucking and then saga. and then in between their two matches, they had you know as I said, they have Savage and Vince doing doing shtick in the in the studio. And then they replay the Bret Hart interview from Sunday Night Slam in full. That 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 they acknowledge as being from Sunday Night Slam. Okay. Um, and then they replay all four Leslie Nielsen skits from Sunday Night Slam. Why? Uh, to the as a positive, I did get to catch the Randy Savage joke. Oh my god! Yeah, as after he does this, trying to catch some rays. He said the girls were feeling macho, and then it cuts to the two girls feeling up ma macho man's arms. That was the joke that we missed. <laughs> Are you satisfied? Was it everything you dreamed of, Austin? No. No. <laughs> so oh, there's man. that, and they that's also what, that's, that's what you get for having expectations in the new in the new generation. I know. Dude. I guess that that's on me. And then <laughs> they replayed the bit. 
that I mentioned on the last episode where, uh, you know, Paul Bearer was on the, was on the King's court. He got choked out by the fake undertaker. And then they turned the lights down as if the real undertaker is going to show up. And then the real undertaker doesn't show up, but they all act kind of like he did. I just, I don't understand. Like I, I, part of me wonders if there's like some practical consideration here was, was real undertaker, like just maybe not available for some reason. I, it'd have to be that. Cause this is, this storyline is paced is plotted so stupidly. If they did, if that wasn't the case. Yeah. Like, like uh, I believe you me, I don't, um, I, I don't, I, I don't underestimate the new generations, uh, um, penchant for stupidity at all. But that being said, like, with how dumb everything about the fake Undertaker storyline is, like, it's so ridiculous and so, like, over-the-top dumb, like, cartoonishly so, hyperbolically so, that there has to be some, like, Undertaker was literally unavailable for a couple months span for some reason. They just, like, desperately needed to cover up. Yeah, like, I don't have any idea why they wrote the storyline the way they did, but that would make sense. Okay. Anyway, that is all I have to say in the front half because as I as I like we've covered what the pay-per-view is like. There was nothing going on in between the in the last 8 days of shows, so let's do it to it. Um if you would like to watch SummerSlam 1994, you can do so on peacock.tv. It is like all of WWE's other content it's all on peacock now uh it is 4.99 a month with ads 9.99 a month without ads and uh if you're feeling fancy you can you can use it you can look into vpns and get the wwe network for 9.99 if you'd like your wrestling content a little better organized um (coughs) and you can probably find at least one of the matches online. I've, I didn't check YouTube. I should start doing that because WWE does post some of their full length matches on YouTube as well as, of course, you know, um, rando randos putting up uh, copyrighted video on YouTube as you do. But, you know, I'm sure if you went looking, you could find at least the bigger matches on the show. Oh, low key. When you said we cut out um, um, Bull Nakano versus Alundra Blaze, I literally like went to YouTube to look it up and it was all right there. So, <laughs> Yeah, it is super easy to find these individual matches. Yep. Anyway, uh, we will see you guys in the back half when we talk about SummerSlam 1994. And we are back. We have just finished um, most of SummerSlam 1994, technically speaking. And a show was had. You know, it... It started off not that bad. A majority mm-hmm. of this viewing experience actually wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. To be I, fair, we did cut out like every bad match I could have possibly. That's shown. that's true. And Bolnikano rip. Um, mm-hmm. um, we the we we did we we did start off pretty well, but oh boy, when we got to that storyline that Austin set us up to follow this whole damn time. Oh man, was it stupid. <laughs> that was a mistake. Mistakes were made. I can't. I just look, we'll reflect more on this at the <clears throat> end of the episode like like 
uh, when when we're kind of doing our our um, new generation wrap up. But I hope you've enjoyed reaping what you've sown, dude. I really hope it's been worth it. Me. So, uh, sewing. <laughs> fuck yeah, this is awesome. Me reaping. What the fuck? No, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, it is truly a grim reaper around here. Um, anyway. It's like the grim reapers at ringside. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's get into it. So, it starts with, uh, you know, Randy Savage coming out to, like, be an MC, kind of. Yeah, he was and, there for like the beginning and the end. Like I kind of forgot that he was there for most of it. Yeah. He was just kind of be like, oh yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Oh yeah. Dig it. And then yeah, DiBiase, uh, not DiBiase, uh <laughs> Vince and Jerry um uh, Lawler are the commentators. They run down the show. They also explain the big news from the weekend is over the weekend at one of the house shows. Uh Diesel and Shawn Michaels beat the Head Shrinkers to become the tag team champions. Which is, which is, uh, from from what you've described to me of house shows, the like semi, the semi canonicity. Um, interesting that they decide to carry that over. Yeah, um, uh, this is still an era where you know occasionally you know championships will be won at house shows. It's it's just it's just it's been regularly phased out since like the nineteen eighties. It's Whoops. been slowly but surely phased out, and nowadays it still technically happens like once every couple of years. But uh, yeah, at this point, house shows are they're canon when they say they're when stuff ha- they're canon when stuff happens, and not canon when nothing happens. That's how that works. Fair enough. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So there. The, so now Diesel is Intercontinental Champion and Tan Tag Team Champions with Sean. Yes. And Sean and Diesel cut a promo, and it's—I I, mean—it's basically what you'd expect from Sean and Diesel. It's like it's nah, like we're gonna gonna kick some ass, go get them, buddy. Uh, we're surprisingly wholesome BFFs for being the like super nasty, infamous heels that we are. Yeah. So before we get to that, before we get to their match, the two matches that we skipped, mm-hmm. uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS beat the Head Shrinkers in a by DQ because they was too busy punching each other, <laughs> and and Alunder Blaze beat Bull Nakano to retain the title. Ooh, give us Barabbas. <laughs> and so yes, the first match that we watched, uh, Razor Ramon versus Diesel for the Intercontinental Title. It was a wild one for, 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 for several reasons. Um, so, I mean, overall, the match was the match was about what you expect. It's Razor mm-hmm. Ramon and Diesel. They're both super talented. Um, a lot of fun little things to remark on, though, with like with like their their uh, uh, their, their matchup specifically. Uh, this was the really noticed just kind of kind of how long diesel is he's a lanky boy oh yeah dude dude has such an interesting body shape of having like a a, a relatively large torso but then yeah. his arms are kind of skinny and then he's got like chicken legs that he hides got, behind his pants i know his legs are just like his legs are a zillion miles tall um mm-hmm. and he just uses them for everything uh just just uh, it's it uh, just just the the level to which he uses his legs made a lot more sense to me all when I'm just when I realized like oh wow his legs re- his legs really are just that long aren't they? oh yeah oh my Christ uh and he he's he's throwing poor uh, poor Razor around 
for a solid for the about the first half of this match. Razor Ramon just getting tossed around like a bitch. Yeah, and whenever and whenever uh, Diesel needs a little help, Sean is there. Walter Payton not doing his job at, at stopping Sean Michaels even a little bit. Yeah, well, He's that's why we have trusty old uh, 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 what's his face. The, the the referee? No. Oh. Oh. No. No. Walter Payton. Walter Payton. Snitching. No. Walter. He snitches, but he also doesn't stop Sean from doing anything. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That is kind of funny that like that that he's brought in to be like you know anti Sean protection, and he does that by just being a fucking snitch to the rest yeah, the whole does, time. Yeah. He, like he basically the entire like it's a reoccurring bit the entire match of like Sean will do stuff to cheat. To like set up stuff, he will set up instances to help Diesel cheat, and then and then like Walter Payton will be like, "Hey ref, look at that." Walter Payton's really like carrying it up in here, like, "Hey ref, I'd like to speak to your manager, please." I'd like to speak to the manager. Yeah, again, yeah. he doesn't get physical with Sean he, until the very end. He doesn't even try. I know. Like so, it's so stupid. So he he looks completely ineffectual in his in his designated role of being guy who stops Shawn Michaels from being a pest. <laughs> which is it's which is funny because the entire time on commentary, Lawler's just like ragging on Peyton for getting too involved. And it's like, I'm pretty yep. sure like it's the exact opposite problem of what's happening here. That's the joke. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean, this this episode is another of those great examples of just how hard Jerry Lawler will stretch as a heel commentator to justify any bullshit whatsoever. He's just so over the top with his buffoonish like villainy that he, mm-hmm. that he, he will just do, just do anything to like poo poo on the good guys. Like, like, Hey Walter, Hey Walter, get out of there. As Sean's currently like, like making an active uh, attempt to like kick the ref in the nuts. And Walter's just like, um, excuse me, this isn't correct. Hey, uh, uh, hello, yes. Uh, this is, this is against the rules. Yes. Hello. I'd like stop. to file a formal complaint, please. On behalf yes. of my client, Razor uh, yes. Ramon. Can, can someone throw a flag? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd like a flag on the play, please ref. Yeah. 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 What are you doing ref? What are you doing? Ref, ref, come on, come on, come yeah. on, buddy. We, we talked about this. Hey, you saw the uh, the Survivor Series commercial. There is no flat personal flags for personal fouls in this in this place. Oh my god. Yeah, it's so funny that they're like on one hand throwing flack at the NFL for like daring to exist on Thanksgiving while also like being buddy buddy with Walter Payton, being like, hey, we cool, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 taking some shots. Anyway, so yeah, they're there. Uh, it, it follows a pretty simple to follow trend of like, you know, Diesel, you know, Razor. Diesel has a, has a lot of advantage. And whenever Razor gets a gets a gets it's an opportunity, he, he usually Sean usually cuts him off. Yeah. And they follow this pattern all the way to the end where Sean well, first for first of all, uh, Walter Payton, the fiend, steals the intercontinental title that Sean <laughs> was hanging on to. That that fiend. That Which I wonder fiend. why he was he really trying to keep that out of like Sean's reach because Sean was going to use it as like a weapon. I believe he was. I believe okay. he was. Okay, yeah. that's what it and, felt like. Yeah, and then I actually I forget the exact sequence of events of this, but like in the in the between there, Sean runs into the ring at some point to try to kick uh, Diesel, not Diesel, kick Razor. With yeah, the sweet chin music, but then Razor ducks and he hits diesel and then we get an overly long sequence of of walter payton running around the ring trying to chase sean down 
but it's not even running. Like they're just kind of like power walking around the yeah. ring. <laughs> they're not running. It's a brisk pace around the <laughs> ring. And then eventually Razor is able to pin Diesel and win the Intercontinental title exclusively, totally because Sean fucked this up. Yeah. I there there is a certain poetic uh poetic ironic justice to Diesel getting fucked over by some leggy action. Hey. And then yeah. so you know is Razor celebrating he's the new Intercontinental champion. Diesel's pissed at Sean. Yeah, and and he's just like he's just like come at me bro to all the way into the locker room. Meanwhile, Sean's just like I'm just going to be I'm just going to go now. It's so it's so interesting to me like the this this episode uh as as the culmination of our time in the new generation um it's such a great highlight of the weird relationship that WWF in this era had with its like moral play because all of the heels are very silly um and very over the top and like cartoonishly like maniacal and at the same time, like, make no sense. It almost feels in a way like WWF writing wise, when it comes to the when it comes to like, you know, the good guys versus the bad guys, they're really just going through motions here. And we'll cover we'll touch on this more when Austin and I undoubtedly spend a majority of this back half just like angrily shouting about the double Undertaker storyline. No. But even this, like the Shawn Michael versus Razor Ramon thing, and then we have we have Walter Payton here to like try to keep the peace but fail miserably while still catching flack from Jerry Lawler. Like it's so much feels like like this era was going through the motions and whether or not it actually came off well was entirely incumbent on the performers to like make something out of the very silly two-dimensional material they were given. Yeah, it <clears throat> Yeah, um, I think that um, I think the story that comes after this with Sean and, and Diesel is is relatively interesting from what I've seen of it. Okay, this is basically Diesel's Diesel's on the train to becoming the next attempt at the next Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah, <laughs> train. <laughs> like, he's on the he's on the truck, um, and so he so like this is all setting up like getting him away from Sean because Sean's still the heel still got to be the heel here and pushing, getting him deep uh, higher up into the world title scene. Which so. like, I don't get, I really don't get why like, like, okay. Watching new generation. I have come to because like diesel is big, tall and the people think he is cool. Therefore, I guess, I guess so. Like, like I will admit one thing I will admit about the new generation era. I am like, I'm eating my hat a little bit in like taking back some of my initial judgments of some of these things. Like we've come a long way from when we first started this storyline to now, just time wise. And that has given me time, given me time to go a lot more down the wrestling media history uh, rabbit hole. And I've gained more of an appreciation for people like, for people like diesel um, and for, for, especially for people like Shawn Michaels. And, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I do sit here and broadly enjoy them a bit more and can recognize their talents and feel a little more invested in who they are as characters. Mm-hmm. That being said, for as much as I've kind of come around on diesel, like it just, 
the the randomness with which they're assigning him to be like you're going to be our next like superstar good guy everything new hulk hogan it still just feels like they're slamming a randomizer button like i get physically he's impressive sure but character wise presentation wise charisma rise he doesn't he's not feel there like yet. yeah he doesn't he doesn't feel like a standout like he's he 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 works as a double act with Sean but when I think of him, I don't think of like somebody who could rise to the same cultural hero level as Hulk Hogan. Um, I mean, I would I would like to point out that 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 Don, that when Diesel wins the title and holds it for a year, it will be it is the statistically speaking the worst financial year in the history of WWE. Huh. So clearly your observations were shared by the audience of 1994 and 1995. Yeah. And I don't want to pin that all on diesel, but like, yeah, it's, it, it's absolutely not all on him because Holy shit. His, <laughs> if you look at who, at his like feuds when he was champion, there's a lot of garbage in there. Oh God. Um, but yeah, it's basically like Sean and Brett pop up every once in a while. That's not terrible, but then yeah. he's doing dumb bullshit with Mabel of men on a mission. That's so, yeah, Christ. I I will say hitting hitting the randomizer button to make Diesel weirdly important. Um, somehow this isn't the first time we've seen this on this show now at the it's at Summer of Punk. Um, but thanks. But so like D- Diesel uh sent a pager to himself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's why he's involved. to stick Sean. Yeah. That's why he's involved with Summer of Punk now for some reason, despite like there being no reason for him to be, as, especially like as a retired wrestler who's never name dropped as part of the Jesus. Anyway, no, I'm not going back down that rabbit hole. Okay, no, must, focus, must focus. Must focus. Must focus. Focus on yeah, ninety four. No. Um, but 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 yeah, it was it was a, it was a good, uh, really good match overall. Diesel mm-hmm. gave a great show. Razor gave a great show. Um, something I noted. Um, and this is gonna be kind of th- this. Uh, it, it's it's kind of interesting to me is I talk a lot about pacing of matches on this show, and this this is another one that it went slower. Oh, I oh I got um, a lot to say about pacing in the next one. Well, yeah. Um. Uh. This one this one went slower, and it was kind of interesting. So so a, a bit of like personal background for me is being the theater nerd that I am. Um. Um. I. Um. I do every once in a while go to stage combat classes and I went to one last night. It was all about like fake hand to hand combat, uh, which is really interesting as someone who now like dissects wrestling uh, as a, as a, uh, as a content creator. Um, (laughs) And one of the things uh, the teacher pointed out um, teacher, by the way, who has apparent, who apparently like consulted on the like case of Bret Hart's death. Funny enough. Um, um, he he talks about like doing blocks and um how if you like block a move it's very western to just block the move and then go into like one hard punch and then like kind of keep it going at that pace whereas Mm -hmm. to go more of an eastern style you block and then like you go three moves up the arm and then you go like three more moves on the face or something um and it did kind of put into perspective like why that's so much the aesthetic I see in in uh, in a lot of like you know American wrestling stuff because it is kind of that almost like street brawl aesthetic, which especially works for characters like Diesel and and Razor who are who feel very much like they were they're meant to be drawn from the streets. Um, 
Yeah, um, I, don't, I, I don't understand Diesel's character backstory. Like, why is he called Diesel? In an era where everyone is super literal in what they are and what they're about, why is Diesel named after a truck? But he's he not, not literally just, a truck. Oh, is he not just a trucker, an ex-trucker? No, I don't. Oh. He, he's came, he came in as Sean's bodyguard, but I've never seen his character by. I don't understand his character backstory. But anyway, as you were saying. Huh. Yeah, no, but... um. But with that in mind, it was really cool to watch and with the perspective of with these two characters up against each other, you know, for as nondescript as Diesel's character is, it does feel like this kind of like street fight aesthetic, um, which 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 worked um, the Razor. I mean, I mean, Razor is the Scarface knockoff and Diesel is the bodyguard. Uh, these two dudes going going big, hard, punchy on each other. While I still very much prefer the faster paced um, mm -hmm. um, fighting overall, um, with that with that in mind, um, the way that communicates to the audience just how hard these these punches are getting thrown, I can appreciate I can appreciate kind of what the style says about the fight that's going on. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. They I think they they do make it work really well, even if it's a little slower than would be my preference to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, Diesel gets the uh, Diesel takes the L. Razor Take gets the L. dub. Yep. Yes, and we we get some Leslie. Uh, I guess is the best time to talk about the Leslie Nielsen skits. Oh God. Anyway, so throughout they pepper these throughout the show, and I think the first one was actually before the Razor match. But so the first one is he is on the Undertaker's. He's on the hot trail of the Undertaker, and he's following a bunch of signs that say Undertaker Trail. Mm -hmm. So, and then he, he gets, he, he talks of hearing a voice from beyond and these two guys show up and be like, Hey pal, you shouldn't, you can't be back here. And they do a bunch of jokes that would make more sense if I knew like 1994 actors. Yeah. Like they're, it's very clearly, I can understand in context that we're making jokes about either actors from 1994 or like. Leslie Nielsen's other acting roles, but I'm not familiar enough with either of those to really understand the jokes. Yeah, yeah, they they let him basically they let him pass because they recognize him as someone of of importance. Yeah, someone of importance. Uh, and I was hugely and, disappointed they didn't make an airplane reference. Yes. Uh, then they we do get the bit where they go, "Hey, buddy," and he's like, "My name's not Buddy." And then yeah. he goes down the hallway and he sees he thinks he's found the Undertaker just hanging out in the hallway in, in mood lighting. <laughs> and the guy turns around, he's like, "Hey, buddy," and he goes first he goes, "Hey, buddy," and the guy turns around and it's his partner George from the uh the from the Naked Gun movies. And yep. he goes, "My name's not Buddy either." <laughs> and they're like, "What are you doing here?" And they're like, we gotta solve the mystery of the Undertaker. And like they both think they're on the case to the, and that leads to the gag of them both standing on a case. I will say the naked gun style puns uh are very fitting with the with how literally everything in the new generation is taken. No, we're like, on the I, case. Look down. Look down. I'm hot on the Undertaker's trail. Sign after sign saying Undertaker's trail. I know some of those. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just feeling it tonight. But I enjoyed the the gags tonight a lot more than I enjoyed the ones when we watched last time. There's the, there's something about the presentation of them that that I think felt a little slicker with the like shoehorned in um the shoehorned in segments uh that were like clearly pre-taped and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, it did feel awkward and it didn't feel like. 
it felt like each one had like a central joke and that was about it this mm-hmm. one it felt like they were throwing a lot more jokes in and it felt a little more authentic because as part of the show because it was like clearly like you know actually happening backstage yeah um, that's that's fair and and so that, that could be a lot of it and i do for as hokey as it gets and for as bad as it probably might be objectively i still do enjoy that very kind of like mel brooksy and very literal uh, visual gags sort of thing. No, I love visual gags and wordplay. So like this, these kind of jokes are up my alley. Yeah. I mean, they're not very good, but there's something mm-hmm. about them that I can't deny is very charming. Yeah. And then uh, later in the show at about the middle point, they actually appear out in the audience. Uh, they do. Well, not in the audience, but they appear like in front of the audience out with out in the entryway. And they're like, they're hot on their, 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 it, they're working in the shadows. And then they put a big spotlight on them and they're like, no, they're like, no, cut, they're like, no, no, cut the stream, cut the stream. But then suddenly the undertaker for some reason is in the entryway behind them. And so the crowd is like all like trying to signal to them. And they're like, what? I know what? it becomes like a door of the explorer episode as I remark yeah. to Austin is like as like he's behind you. Where is he? Where he's is he? behind you. Or then they turn around and it is apparently just like okay, in the summer in the entryway, there's like a screen door kind mm-hmm. of a uh, kind of a device. And so supposedly it was just behind the screen. Like the screen was closed when the undertaker shows up. Then they turn around to look and the door is popped back open and it's, there's nothing there. And so they yeah. go back backstage to continue the hunt, continue the investigation. Uh, uh, from there, uh, we view the next two matches that we didn't watch. Uh, Tatanka beat Lex Luger in the biggest plot development that we don't, we didn't watch on this show where it is revealed that Tatanka sold out to DiBiase. This whole thing was kind of a giant long con on the fans. It's all a bunch of bullshit. It was just a big plot twist. Sure. Yeah. The, again, going through the motions, and it doesn't mean a goddamn thing. No, I, I, again, maybe if I bothered to watch the Raw after this, it might make a tiny bit more sense. It's just so Maybe, bad. but no, I don't. I, I'm just like, why? Why did Tatanka sign up with DiBiase? Why did he just, why did they decide? Like, even if I get a character explanation for their actions, I think that my biggest problem with DiBiase's, both of his ploys in this episode that are featured in this episode are like, why would he do this? I don't understand the in-character reasoning why he would make the choices he makes. Understanding it in retrospect that it was all a ploy. Like, in retrospect, why does he do this entire giant? Why does he? I understand why he might have done been tried to be like tried to like peer pressure Lex Luger into signing by being like, "Haha, I have signed Lex Luger," as if like that's gonna make him sign. But I don't understand this whole angle of Tatanka being like, "You sold out, man! You sold out!" Like, why is he taking that side if this entire time he's been on, he's actually secretly been with a million dollar corporation? Like, it feels like they're trying to, like, it, it, well, that's the thing. I can't even say they're doing this on purpose because I don't trust the writers that much. This is like two, this is two DiBiase stories where they just like randomly mess with someone for some reason. So mm-hmm. it, it feels like the character should be that like, 
DiBiase just likes using his money to fuck with people. But A, that doesn't make sense for DiBiase's And character. they don't necessarily play it that way. And they don't, like, it. Like that just almost feels incidental. Like, the writers lucked their way into that being, like, a running motif. Yeah, they they, they don't call that out as, as, that, as that's what he's doing. Yeah. They don't be like, this is mine games from the million dollar man. Yeah. And nothing in his character up to this point would ever indicate that he's like the mind games type. Like he just, we know what he does. He uses money to brute force his way into getting the things he wants. Yeah. Like, like he again. does he's not sly. He's not manipulative Mm-mm. beyond how manipulating people with money. With his money. Yeah. But it's, he's, but it's not the kind of thing where you like seek you, but is, he isn't secretive about it. He's, he blatantly flaunts the money around. Yeah. And like, again, just everything in this era feels so half-baked. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing. That's a, that's the interesting thing with WWE, WWF. Uh, and to an extent, a lot of what they do is kind of half-baked in a way, just because, like, the format they do things in, it's really, really, really difficult to follow a storyline through a whole, like, year of shit, week after week after week, uh, juggled with all this other stuff to a really satisfying cinematic narrative conclusion. But the problem with the with the with the new generation era and I've I've remarked on this before is that everything through through just how like how uh defunded the WWF is at this time and just all the creative constraints that goes along with those issues just everything lays bare just how systemic an issue this is for the company. And it just it, th- th- things can be cool in the moment, but even the coolest things mm-hmm. that we've remarked on on this show, like the like one two three versus Bret Hart, at, at a point, it, it just it, it it like like you think about it for more than two seconds, and it all feels unresolved, and all feels like so so half baked, not thought through. What are we even doing here? Yeah, and. God, I hate that I keep fantasy booking on this podcast. I swear no, it wasn't going to be like that. But I would like to point out that they that like the Million Dollar Corporation is in a tag team on this show. If you, this story would make a million percent more sense if it was like Lex Luger and Tatanka versus the Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS, mm-hmm. and then Tatanka betrays Lex Luger in the middle of the match. Yeah, that and follows like- a more logical through line. Than whatever the sh- then Tatanka for weeks claiming that Lex Luger has sold out to the million dollar man when he is in the million dollar corporation, so he knows that Luger isn't in on it. Yeah, which like, which you just you just change it so that so that uh you know uh, a million dollar man is trying to pursue Luger. Um, because Luger's a big name, yada, yada, yada. And then it just fails and fails and fails. He's like, fuck it. I'm going for the tag team partner. And that's how you do it. Simple mm-hmm. as that. And all of yeah. a sudden, like, it's still not great. Cause Ted DiBiase's shtick, it's to, at least to me, stale really, really quickly. But like, but at least there's a logical reason for why DiBiase would act the way he acts. There's a through line. And then we don't have Tatanka being this weird hypocrite for no reason the entire yeah. time. Jesus. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre, but You're you know, Tatanka won, whatever, and mm. then Jeff Jarrett beat Mabel, even more of a whatever. Whatever, dude. Country defeats rap. I guess. 
I whatever. It, it's 1994. If I looked at the music charts of 1994, I feel like country's taking the L on this one. Oh my god! Yeah. And, oh. and now we get to the thing. I told David this was an hour long segment. If you consider before, during, before the match, and after mm-hmm. of the the Bret Hart versus Owen Hart for the WWF Championship. And I remarked to David about this while we were watching this. This first part is they do this whole video package that kind of details the whole story. Yeah, and I told David like in this video package, the story is kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Like it tells this this long story of Owen feeling inadequate and being a narcissistic dickhead about it. And then he betrays Brett and then he beats Brett and then he's mad that Brett became champion anyway. And then he hooks up with Nightheart to help him be in a position to fight Brett. And you get to see all these little interviews of Owen needling Brett and Brett being like, I, I don't want to fight you, Owen. And then he's then then it becomes I guess I'll fight you now. Yeah, like it follows this interesting through line of a story leading to this epic conclusion that's tearing the family apart. But in practice, uh, this stuff happens months apart from each other. The in between and the in between isn't that interesting. Yeah, I mean, as we remarked in the first half, it's such an afterthought, right? Yeah, it's such such a disappointment. mm -hmm. Like it, like it doesn't progress at an interesting enough pace. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially, especially like this part of the story, the story from the first Brett match and Owen match to the second one, the part that I've watched. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it doesn't progress at a particularly good pace, and I think it's part of that is because you're already at the part where they hate each other and, and Brett's the champion. So it's yeah. like, now you're just delaying. What are because, we, yeah, what are we even doing here? Like bro? the first half of the story, you can get, you get the whole bit of they're on the same side. And then Owen's kind of feeling bad about it. It's kind of feeling mad, but then they are, they teaming up because they're still family. They're still holding it together. And mm-hmm. then Owen's like, you know what? Fuck you, Brett. And then now you, and then you get the standard amount of time to build to the match. Yep. There's a lot of twists and turns from re- from WrestleMania to SummerSlam. The, there's not really any turns besides Nightheart showing up. <laughs> and and like, again, Owen and Brett hate each other, or at least Owen hates Brett. And Brett has the championship that Owen wants from there's no more twists in the story. That's it. Yeah, we're done at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um you and, just need and, a narrative. You need you give you have a you need a narrative excuse for why Owen should be allowed to be get a shot at the title, except he already has one because he beat Brett. Yeah, exactly. The same night he won Brett won the title, but they yep. get in the King of the Ring anyway. So then but, there's an extra gotta, reason. But 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 we gotta but we gotta delay it to SummerSlam because because that's the big pay per view match yeah. for big pay per view. God, this fucking era. Oh, uh, anyway, so we that we waste a lot of time because they have to build this thing, this cage, in the moment. Yeah. So we got to waste a lot of time here. So we get a we get a lengthy Bret Hart interview that kind of is is it's all right. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 a lot of him being like a you know a, a he's he's gonna fight through this because they they make he makes a point that he just got he just restock he's rec- he's recovering from strep throat and yeah. he's like it doesn't matter I'm ready to go we're gonna end this tonight this is gonna Seriously. be it yeah 
to be fair, this is basically the end. But yeah, it is. Yeah, this, he, he, is, he he does have a point. This yeah. Time. So yeah, it's a decent enough interview, and then we get a amazing segment in my book for all the ironic reasons. Oh my god! <laughs> the entire so Hart family is at ringside for this, and Vince and Jerry decide to go interview them. <sighs> And it's just a whole lot of stuff that's very funny that isn't supposed to be funny because this is yeah. supposed to be selling you on this family destroying blood feud. I know, but but absolutely, but like two of the per- people involved here at most are like competent performers, so I it see. all just looks silly. It's so corny, dude. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I love I love just like the the sort of clown car thing we have going on here with like the entirety of the Hart family, uh, and all and twenty extended. of them are here. Yeah, yeah, packed into the first couple rows, right? Uh, <laughs> and they're all just sitting there, and they're just going around, and they're bumbling around. It's like you know what it feels like. It feels, it feels like for for those of you who watch, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It feels like the McCoyle family. There's a zillion of them, and they're all a little weird, and they're mm-hmm. there to like cheer on their very weird. Uh, they're very weird siblings doing something very weird together um, and it just feels like a circus act almost it's so it's so gloriously silly uh, Stu Hart has the same facial expression the entire goddamn time we Helen gotta, Hart go, in, we gotta go in order here is, yeah is, well is, doesn't is it, it start with them well, yeah, but first, you know, Vince interviewing Helen, and she just kind of oh. gives the like, um, so, like my you know, boys. my boy has a, oh, and has a sickness, and I hope that this match gets it out of him. I hope he grows out of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then and then they try to interview Stu, and Stu, I don't like, I I don't like to talk about. I I would hate to speculate on the mental acumen of yeah. Stu Hart in this instance. <laughs> that seems a little crude. But at the same time, it kind of feels like he's not all there for all this. (laughs) As you say, he has the same facial expression the entire time. Yeah. And Vince tries to get Stu in on this of this interview. And he's just kind of like, I I just hope that the right wit the right wrestler gets out of the wins the match. And he I hope the right wrestler gets out and he gets and, and Vince has to finish like, and, and, in one piece. Yeah. Yeah. In one piece. Right. Yeah. Which like imagine scripting for, for, for Helen and Stu Hart. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then Lawler decides to butt in and, and he's he like, berating them. He's like it's, you're why Owen is like this. And by the way, no reaction from either of them. <laughs> They don't I really know. react. I know, I know. It's 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 you people by proxy, and this, the mm-hmm. parents don't give a shit. Yeah, no, it's a complete disaster. But then we, we keep going. We run down the line, and we get we get British Bulldog because he's an in law to the hearts. Yes, and he and he he is he's in his finest. He's, he's he's in this a hilarious getup where he's in like he's got this his his all hair's beige. all poofied out. Yeah. It's all beige outfit, but. Only a vest, no shirt, and he's wearing sunglasses. And they're like, and and they try, and and Jerry Lawler tries to start some shit again, mm-hmm. where he's like, you, two years ago, you beat oh, you beat Bret Hart at summer at this exact very show. Do you 
are you mad that you're not in the ring? Do you think you should be getting the ring with Brett? And then and Brett and Ben Ben Bulldog, who's the baby face, is like, no, I, I know what Brett is like in the ring. I don't <laughs> I'm happy to not be in there. And yeah. and then they David points out Jim Neidhart creeping in the background before then they He's go like leaning back with his arms crossed and he has sunglasses on. And he almost looks like he's asleep, like his head slightly yeah. scrunched, scrunched to the side, uh, slumped to the side, Jesus. And like he's got a little bit of the double chin going on just with the head, like, mm-hmm. head pressed into his neck. And he's like, <laughs> and he's back they, there and they, they interview Bruce. Yeah, they interview Jim and he and he's and he gives and he gives like the Owen's going to win shtick. Yeah. And then Vince McMahon decides to try to try to instigate a little bit when he's like when he points out that the steel cage is here to keep you out jim and and then yeah this leads to bruce hart um in his leather jacket to try to show how cool and badass he is i guess and and he's like yelling at jim that like if you try to get in there jim i'm gonna stop you and of course immediately like oh hmm i wonder what's gonna happen to be fair, they wait till the end of the match for that. After okay, the well, yes, that. yes. Credit where Which credit is due. Is credit where credit is due on this because, and and part of this is just kind of how it's become a trope. And I guess at this point, it wasn't a trope as much of the idea of like a steel cage match has become a joke because they always talk about how it keeps the competitors in the ring and it keeps everybody else out. And then there's always interference because as yeah. I mentioned to David while we were watching, a steel cage match is still a no disqualification match. There is absolutely nothing from stopping somebody from running in there, climbing the cage and getting in the ring. We They're literally like, saw it on our, on our, one of our la- episodes in the attitude era of that exact yep. thing happening because yep. there's nothing in the, because all that's stopping them is, I guess they don't want to have to climb. I think the only time we haven't seen that as a thing was in the the, the Cody Rhodes Wardlow match. Yeah, they they avoided that too. They avoided that trope there too. Again, to oh my, my but that but again, it's become a joke of a trope because it happens so much. Everybody does it. Like yeah, everybody. Despite the ostens the ostensibly the cage being there to stop them, it doesn't stop them. Yeah, but thankfully in this match they keep it between the two. There is no there's no one getting involved. Yeah, uh, it's 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 really um, it's really unfortunate uh, uh, that that it gets so tropified. Um, but it did provide a nice bit of entertainment to to have that setup so obviously there for us to cackle at in the midst of just all of the silliness of just the entire Hart Clan being here for oh, us yeah. and then some. Oh Jesus! But yeah. we get to we get we get to the match proper. And it rules. Of course mm-hmm. it rules. Bret Hart and Owen Hart are two of the most gifted performers in the history of this entire goddamn company. And their in-ring chemistry, because of course they're brothers, is astounding. And this match, I mean, it, it is kind of obvious who's going to get the dub here. Um, like, like, you know, you know, like, after all this, like, like, like they could give give Owen the dub to be like you know look at um he 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 you know forces way in but 
that's kind of going in. I almost feel like that's treating it with more modern sensibilities. This mm-hmm. is the new generation, and Owen has been a like a roided out uh, aggro over aggro dickhead the entire time. Um, yeah, and he- heels getting like meaningful title wins is still a bit of a novelty in WWE in '94. Mm-hmm. It's all about the baby faces. And Owen Hart is not treated with nearly enough respect for him to be given one of those chances. Yeah. So, and it, it's a re- it's a really good match. Uh, it's very long. It's 32 minutes long. It is the yeah. longest match we've seen on this show except for Punk and Cena at Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. That's about a minute longer. But... Uh, it's a really good match. I, I I agree with David. Is that you know they I think they do a really good job of selling the idea of this being like a personal feud that they really are dick going at each other. Yeah. Uh, and my biggest criticism of the match and the reason I do to be fair I prefer the WrestleMania match that they had is I think that the stipul that the rule set of the cage match inhibits a lot. Mm-hmm. It adds a lot of limitations because okay time to go on a bit of a rant that unfortunately that I hate. Because in the sense that it's very cliche to complain about this. But I also agree with the majority of why this is an issue. The rules of the match, of a cage match, as defined in this particular match. It's yeah. kind of the WWE standard of how the rules work. Is that you win the match by escaping the cage. And first of all, you can look at it as that's a bit of an interesting way to end a blood feud if you think about it they win by running away but Mm -hmm. but um as it relates to this match it has this problem of in the logic of the match it kind of is one note because how else is this gonna go it's a whole lot of them one of them trying to climb the cage the other stopping them they take some nasty falls (laughs) off the cage wall. I don't disagree with that. And then it all just keeps going again. And Brett and credit to Brett and Owen for making that incredibly compelling. Yeah. But I'm not going to pretend it did. It doesn't get at least a little bit tiring at points. It because no. It, yeah. Go. Sorry. Finish up. Because, because like it kind of has to, because they can't wrestle this like a normal match because they can't win it like a normal match. It wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Um. Which, yeah, it, it does. It does kind of like get a little like like the, that. Yeah, you said it perfectly. The one downside is match. It is. It does get stale to just watch the constant like he's trying to escape. I wonder what's gonna happen. Um, it's not not helped by the fact that like you know still the 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 rough around the edges nature of the new generation made the telegraphing of the fact that that whoever was trying to escape was you know giving the partner time to like get up and pull them back mm-hmm. in was super obvious. Um so that's kind of the weird duality to this match is is yeah it oh my god it ruled so hard because because Brett and Owen are awesome and just mm-hmm. the way they work with each other they take they take amazingly um excruciating bumps together as brothers and it does feel like this um this weird like they're both in this together and here to destroy each other. Like if they're going to go out, they're going to go out as yeah. brothers for as much as they hate each other. Um, even if that's not acknowledged in the, in the uh, narrative aesthetically, that's how you feel like, yeah. like th- it has to be the, that one of them truly falls to the hand of the other and nobody else. Cause they're the most, you know, perfect matches for each other. Um, and, and every move they do to each other has that even, uh, 
even when you know they're trying to escape for the zillion time and you know the other's still going to catch them it's still like each each grab each throw each punch off the top of the cage each pull of the leg away from the door um is uh is really cool it does get slightly hampered by that being by that happening over and over again and especially hampered like there's this one point earlier on where they keep just heading for the door and the poor ref has to open the door right. close, close the door, the door. Open, open the door, door. Back up. it almost becomes a gag, it almost was a gag. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they just keep jumping over each other the and weird to- half comedy of this match is is, is yeah. wild to me yeah, and to be fair, that like there is a progression to it, despite the mm-hmm. fact that we it keeps having the hitting the same points over and over. That it is slightly different as time goes on. It's it becomes more belabored. It becomes more aggressive. Um, they start doing more moves to each other inside the ring as kind of a way to finally put each other down. To like, mm-hmm. please let me get out of this cage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but seriously. I'm just I'm just pointing out it follows a very similar plot line the entire time of like of like the entire time it's about trying to get out of the cage it's not it's not it's not like a regular match that might have a different have my more varied stages to it yeah seriously <laughs> and and i think it's not helped by the fact that it's 30 minutes long and it didn't have to be like you probably could have <laughs> cut this match down and i probably don't complain about this even anyway no because then they because then they don't have to keep repeating <laughs> Stuff, spots of each other, but that's the catch twenty two here. That's the double edged sword. Is. is that is that I also like that the match is this long. It yeah. really lets the two of them show off the extent of their abilities. Oh yeah, like this almost feels like the peak of the Hart brothers. Um, just for what this is, the culmination of their feud, silly as the stipulation may be. Um, for them to just show their their talent as a double act even if they're fighting mm-hmm. against each other. Um, this is like why they're here and why they're so big um, because they can, they can fight it out with each other. Like, like, like utter champions. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, um, it's really, um, 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 it's captivating to watch the two of them go to work together. Oh yeah. hundred More than, more than, more than against anyone else. The two of them together. It's, oh it's yeah. Incomparable. Yeah, it is a fantastic. It's still a fantastic match, despite what I seem to be making as structural criticisms. Um, yeah. are it's still a fantastic match in spite of me feeling like that. And oh yeah, I, no, I would hundred I mean, percent credit Brett and Owen for that. Exactly. Well, that's what I that's what I was saying earlier. Again, this era lays bare all of the latent faults of this company, um, just because they don't have a whole lot to hide behind. And so when things work in spite of that, it's so much of it is on the performers just mm-hmm. being so racked with talent pure unadulterated unfiltered undistilled talent um that they overcome those limitations and give us a great show anyway so yeah. the the feelings may be conflicting but at the end of the day we can still point to these things that we that we really did enjoy just because oh my god these performers gave it their all mm-hmm. Um, before we get to how the match ends, um, mm-hmm. there the, you get. To, I want to talk about like the ancillary stuff in the middle, which is a whole lot of reaction shots to the Hart family. Oh God, <laughs> this whole thing. They try some of them. Some of them are more reactive than others. Stu never changes his facial expression the entire time. I know. Which was again hilarious. Really funny. 
Like, but you know, it, it Brett, you know, Jim, it's, it's Jim cheering for Owen, everyone else cheering for, for Brett. And it's funny. They keep cutting back, like really trying to sell the nature of this, like horrendous, awful family t- tearing apart feud. And it's like, okay. and, and like, again, because most of them also aren't really actors, like not even like actors in a wrestling sense. <laughs> like it doesn't come off particularly compelling. <laughs> like it could be if they were like real, <laughs> if they were like trained, even remotely trained for that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, it's, it's funny and it's a funny enough diversion. And then we get to our finish of, Oh boy, this is this was kind of spooky. There's a lot. There was a lot of moments in this match that felt kind of scary to me, especially because the cage looked rickety as hell. Oh my god, I know they they had the corners of this cage on these weird like these weird like double hinges where mm-hmm. um where the cage like did rattle a lot. Like oh it, yeah, it, it, it wobbled. Be- doing anything. Yeah, because like. Because there was like each each corner was on was on a hinge. They weren't connected together. It was mm-hmm. like or they it, it was like it was like each one was able to pivot. Uh, so yeah. each individual wall like kind of shook against each other. There was not like a, a chain together cohesion. Yeah. Uh, and so but, yeah, it felt, it felt very uncomfy at times. Yeah, but there Owen and Brett are both like on the outside of the ring, on the outside of the outside of the ring. They're fighting on the cage wall and they're just punching and punching. And eventually Brett hits Owen so hard that Owen drops, but his his feet hook on the cage door on like the cage inside the cage. Oh, I know. Cage holes, which, by the way, that's a gutsy strategy, Brett. Like. Like I, I was like I was watching both these guys hit each other like while on the outside of the walls and I'm like dude you could easily knock your opponent out of the ring out off the cage and they win. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but like it's just kind of like dude throw them back in. Don't punch them outside the wall. Yeah, the 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 strategizing here is is very interesting because like. You have to like you have to fight against your instinct to just lay, in, especially for the blood food, just like lay into them because that could work to their advantage. Yeah, but eventually, you know, that happens to Owen. He's 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 he got his foot stuck in the cage in the cage um in the cage holes, and then Brett just drops down and he is the champ. But don't worry, Nightheart is here. Immediately, <laughs> like they cut to the family. And then you got Nightheart on the other side of the barricade, just like leaning over, getting ready to pounce. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And he like he like whips whips his shirt off and just starts running. I'm like, where's Bruce? Where's Bruce? Yeah, Bruce nowhere to be found till like the end. That I don't know happened. why. Talks a big game, ain't doing yeah. shit. Then just magically disappears. But basically, Jim uh, grabs, saves Owen from his little predicament, then grabs Brett. They throw him back in the cage. Nightheart struggles, but eventually does padlock the door. And they just start going to town on Brett. And then suddenly the entire... Oh, no. First, when Jim is coming, running down to the ring, he, like, clotheslines British Bulldog and his wife on his way down. So... To create enough of a distraction from everybody else for him to get away with this. But like British Bulldog gets up and his wife's all right. And so eventually the entire 
Hart fam men of the Hart family besides Stu are like trying to climb the cage to get in. And in between punching Brett, Jim and Owen are just like running to different corners of the wall to knock them off the wall. Yeah. They try to get in. Oh my god. It, it was a it was a hilarious game of whack-a-mole. <laughs> it was like a Benny Hill sketch almost. Like you mm -hmm. just hear the like and and then bonk, bonk. Yeah. No, nah, it was great. Eventually the numbers overwhelmed. Like eventually the numbers kind of like they can't keep running between posts forever. Uh between just the two of them. And eventually they someone gets cro gets a um not a crowbar. Uh, um they get uh, they get they get uh, uh pliers to to oh, get rid yeah, of the padlock. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason I was thinking like in-ring weapon. I'm like, I don't know. No, they get they get yeah. the pliers to break the padlock. So they get so now they can get in through the cage door. And suddenly all the hearts are flooding in. And that's the time when Nightheart and Owen they climb out of the cage the other way. Yeah, and yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're out. Yeah, the 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 of course the cowardly heels, right? Are just mm -hmm. are just noping out of there as soon as like they actually like start losing their upper hand. Um and of course, Owen's shouting about like my victory, I win. The yeah, they feel like, delusion. Todd, yeah, Todd Pettengill runs them down behind the uh, back in, on their way out of the building, and he's like, "What was that out there?" Yeah, they're, they're smoking. Like, they're they're, they're smoking like, "What the are you talking about?" Yeah, they're like, "What? What are you talking <laughs> about?" And they and Jim is like, "Is like Brett." If you get in a match with me, here's this is gonna happen to you. And then Owen is 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 claiming victory, despite the fact he didn't even win in any sense of the word. He yeah. lost very definitively. But he's like, I had the match won, which means he won, of course. And they're out. We're out of here. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, it, I they're 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 smoking the same thing as Lawler of just like the chicken shit. Uh, uh, everything is a win for the heels, even when it's so clearly not. Um, I didn't I didn't know Jerry Lawler smoked some of Jim Neidhart's crack. <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, no, but it was but it was a great. Uh, it, it did feel like a pretty great finish. Uh, to the to the whole thing of of just having Owen mm -hmm. just slip even more into into um aggro um um uh, a wildness the king of hearts is only getting crazier from here yeah it's just 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 completely like losing his grip and like desperate like having a psychosis for for needing to get that belt and now our main event as they finally torn the cage down. We got the, the Thanksgiving Eve Survivor Series commercial that I joked about earlier with the rest with the football gags. But and here we go. Mm -hmm. The cage is pulled down. It's time for The Undertaker versus The Undertaker. Yeah. And thankfully, they review the entire storyline just to make sure that we all know what happened. <sighs> they, it's they, great. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. They um they showed the Undertaker saying, I must, I'm I must go, my planet needs me. And then the Undertaker shows up in random places that people swear they've seen him. I crack mm -hmm. jokes about you expect me to believe that all of these people know what wrestling is. <laughs> he seemed like average people that wouldn't watch pro wrestling. Um but then we get the Undertaker. Uh, we get Tibiasi comes out with his Underfaker, as we continue to not really understand the motivations for any of it. 
And then Paul Bearer shows up in the most, and he brings the Undertaker back in this ridiculously elaborate way that stops it's making sense so after a while. Long. It is so long. First, Paul Bearer comes out by himself. Then yep. he, then he, he, he motions to the side, and the two, uh, excuse me, Grim Reapers, not Druids. We're not using that term yet. Oh yeah. Um, bring the casket down. A giant casket, mind you, and that has rest in peace with the Undertaker's face on it, just to make yep. sure you understand what this is supposed to be. He brings it, he wheels it down, all the way down to the a specific spot next to the ring. He opens the casket. Smoke comes billowing out, and he pulls out a giant urn. <laughs> Like, this is a fat boy urn right here. It is it's twice a, it's as a wide. big old urn. It is like twice as wide as his normal urn. Mm. And so he pulls out the urn, but there's no Undertaker yet, okay? You think the Undertaker's the one in the casket, but it's it's just the urn. Yeah. And a lot of smoke. <laughs> why? But okay. And so he, Paul Bear gets in the ring with the urn. He pulls open the urn. And I made a joke about this before it happened. I made a joke of, like, they should stage this so the under the urn opens up and the Undertaker comes out of the urn. And they basically almost did that halfway <sighs> in yeah. that Paul Bear takes the urn. He pulls it open, and they, put a, and they clearly suck a giant-ass flashlight in here. I know. Because he's just shooting Powerful as hell, too. Like, yeah, like it's huge shooting like, all the way across this big-ass arena. Oh, yeah. Massive flashlight. Spotlight here. Mm -hmm. And then The Undertaker shows up in the entrance ramp. Why? Why'd he summon him there? Just summon him in the ring. Yeah, I don't get it. Oh, Christ. So we get the long-ass, after the long-ass Paul Bearer entrance, we get the long-ass Undertaker entrance. <laughs> and we get to the match. And we get the, the stare-off segment that we mentioned a couple of a few episodes back about how cool this moment could have been in a, earlier in the story. Mm. Um, not at the end, but The Undertaker is finally here, thank God. Yeah. Um, and then we get this mirror. They do a mirror moment where Undertaker, where Tibiasi and Paul Bear are taking off The Undertaker's entrance attire at the same time in the exact same way in a mirror shot. Um, the only you can, and by they, they thankfully color palette this. So you can tell who's who the, uh, the fake undertaker is in gray and the, and the, and the real one is in purple. And now we're at the match and it was a match. It, yeah. Um, one thing I will say about the color swap undertaker keeps the purple threads after this, right? For a little while longer, when until he transitions into his like like the the kind of like all black attire we see in the Attitude Era is yeah. the next evolution of the Undertaker, uh, the Shang Tsung Undertaker or whatever. Yeah, um, something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the match. Um, remember how we were talking about pacing? <laughs> um, who boy? Th this is so. What I've come to appreciate about the Undertaker. I, which again, another thing I'll eat my hat on is I've come to now have much more appreciation for the Undertaker as a fighter, as a performer, for his cultural significance. I still Victory! think the shit is goofy, but I get it. Like I get why it's appealing despite the goofiness. 
Um, and I am actually kind of appealed to it now. Like, like, like I can buy into the hokiness now. I've, I've lived with the Undertaker enough that I can, like, I, I can sit back and unironically enjoy it, goofy as it is. Um, um, now, Attitude Era Undertaker might be a different story, but we'll see. Um, regardless, I do um, go back and forth on that one because that's when he starts getting a little more edge lordy. Yeah, yeah, like like this, it's cartoony, but like the simplicity of the cartoony just kind of works. But but either either way, either way. Um, um, what one of the cool things about him in ring is that he's so distinct. He moves very slow. He's a monster. He is a living monster, as Austin a- put it. He's like he's like the cousin to Lurch from from Adam's family, right? Yeah, he's tall. And he moves like a zombie and he's untouchable and everything he throws at you. Like, like, like when when he's up against any normal wrestler, it feels like they're doing their best to wail against him. And he is just this unmovable or this, 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 this unstoppable force that's just gradually advancing toward you. And when Mm -hmm. he gets his hands on you, God help you. Yeah, it's over. It's, it's really effective. Because it's something that we haven't really seen, you know, with anyone outside of him. And when he's up against a normal wrestler, um, it, it, it sets itself apart so much and visually communicates very effectively what The Undertaker is. He is a monster. Mm-hmm. Putting The Undertaker up against another Undertaker and we just get that shtick fighting itself. All of a sudden, what it if you seem what if you did The Undertaker? Cool. Yeah, what if you did The Undertaker shtick twice? Double. Yeah, that's gotta be because they're twice both doing cool, it. right. Yeah, and I uh, I feel vindicated that the crowd is as absolutely disinterested in this as I am. <laughs> I like, and it's it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I I attribute it to that is the, is the fact that um is that yeah it's when you get down to it it's now two guys <laughs> being slow wrestling slow yeah as opposed to one guy. <laughs> Not like, nearly as cool. Like they're doing, they're all, they're both doing the exact same moves because there's, they're trying to play this off as being another Undertaker. So they're doing the exact same moves. They're mm-hmm. wrestling the exact same way, mm-hmm. and it's so slow and dull, and it goes for ten minutes, yep. and the crowd could not give a shit to the point it's- that Vince McMahon tries to tries to spin it and be like, they're just so shocked and in awe. That oh my god! Silent. They're so it's so obvious to them by the end that this angle has failed so deeply. Well, it's okay. It's funny because the crowd seems pretty receptive to a lot of stuff that like surrounding this. Like they're super hype for the entirety of like that entire convolutedness fuck entrance, which I will admit does have cool moments. Like like there is something about this like triumphant return of the Undertaker that like feels like if they'd actually scripted the story well i'd be into it and i'd be like viscerally feeling it yeah. here i i have like a hint that this could feel cool if it weren't surrounded by stuff so dumb yeah but the and- crowd is in the crowd is the crowd is into it and they're it they're for some reason into the the, the leslie nielsen bullshit when he shows up yeah. um and they're even like super happy with like the 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 outcome of the match but just in the throes of it there's nothing to excite the audience yeah like i think it's i think it is just a matter of like Undertaker matches are usually pretty slow and not always the most exciting, but as you said, there's interesting storytelling to be told there that you completely lose when it's just another Undertaker. So I you know. just got nothing there. Like it is so unfun. And this is another one of the narrative stupid things about this whole story is at this point, 
it's so clear to everybody that the under faker is a faker so why the hell is he still playing the undertaker shtick i want there are a zillion things that they could have done that would have gotten me to forgive this angle somewhat for just how nonsensical it is one of those things would be if dibiase like and and underfaker were like all right they got us and Underfaker reveals himself as a completely different character and mm-hmm. and just starts and 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 starts trying to go to town on Undertaker and is like, you know, opposite sort of fighter where he's trying to go fast and wail on Undertaker and you know, whatever. That would be cool. But he just keeps up the un- for some reason, even though everybody knows that's a fake one. Everybody knows Underfaker's gonna lose, like everyone in the audience is a foregone conclusion, and and we're just left with we're we're left with a boring match. With no absolutely absolutely no narrative reason for it to be like this in the first place. Yeah, the Underfaker stuff, it already doesn't really make sense if you mm-hmm. consider how they play it out before they do the reveal. Yeah. But post-reveal, okay. So technically it's still a mystery. The real Undertaker isn't there. He can but like as the audience, you kind of have to assume that ta- that DiBiase's is talking bullshit, especially in these last couple of weeks of the story when they start having the Undertaker do spooky stuff from far away. When he oh. makes the lights go down, or when he starts talking over the house mic, I like, know. like at that point, like even if he's not there, clearly there's another Undertaker. Yeah. Yes. Why? Why is DiBiase, and like, again, to go back to my question of why is DiBiase doing any of this? Why is he doing this? Mm -hmm. Like, his ploy to get The Undertaker when it was just a ploy and not this fake stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's a little questionable that you think that money is going to win over the undead zombie wizard. But to be fair... He was he were he was on your team when you first came into the WWE. Okay. So there's yep. a way to tie this in to where it'd be like, oh, okay, somehow the undead mo- zombie wizard likes money. Okay. <laughs> but when the story becomes he's been a fake the whole time, now it's like, why? Like, yeah. what was DBI? Why did DBI do it? What is it? What is the purpose? What is the point? Yeah. Like, did did he think that if he he fake he tried to fake it till he made it? Except I don't understand why he would do that. I, I, I like like we we we've kind of examined some of the narrative stupidity of this before, mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, to your to your point, just there is no angle to this that makes sense. The clo- what I what I propose to you of. Of maybe it's DiBiase trying to get into that that sweet sweet Undertaker merchandising, mm-hmm. maybe. But they don't play into that at all. You have to completely no. fucking infer that as the audience. And no, like, all- sure that could maybe be a fair inference to make. But like they they usually play into these things, which no. leads me to believe they didn't think this through because otherwise they would be playing into it. No. WWE doesn't play with that kind of subtext. Like, no. Like they, if that's a if we're supposed to think that he's that he that this is a a merch grab for him, then they would bring that up. Yeah. But they don't. They don't WWE give any. They don't even. They don't even try to give DiBiase any sort of like motivations for why he tried to get 
a fake why he brought in a fake undertaker to try to make everyone believe that he is the real undertaker they give no explanation for why he cares about this like okay what? here's a pro tip as a new generation viewer if you are having to think for yourself about the implications of the story that means the writers are doing it wrong yes like like and and it's not like DiBiase is is treated as if it's not as if this is a specifically important acquiring for uh, a, 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 acquisition. acquisition. Yes. For him. Like it's not played that way. Anyway, it's played as if just another guy that he's trying to buy along with the bam, bam Bigelow's and Lex Luger's of the world. Yeah. This is just another acquisition for him. And then that means like, why does, why is there all this stupid rigmarole? Like in the in the Tatanka story, it doesn't make any sense why Tatanka acts like he does. In this story, it doesn't make any sense why the why DiBiase acts like he does. Okay, I have a theory. Okay, I have not researched. I have not obviously researched any of this. I have no reason other than my own like intuition as a as a noob viewer Hmm. as to this. I almost have to wonder because. The one thing I will give this stupid fucking storyline is that visually the payoff lead up to the to that final match was cool. It was I'm pretty sure that that's all this was, was is cool. they is they had the visual first. Yeah. They had the well, idea, that, yeah, yeah. They had the idea in their head and the visual that would make, and then they after they that, tried backwards. to figure out how that get to that point, and they, yeah, they clearly they, they didn't try backwards. that hard. Post hoc justified it, mm-hmm. and for some reason, someone was just so married to the idea and probably pitched it to Vince, and Vince had dollar signs spinning in his eyes, which makes any stupid bullshit look good. Uh, and he's like, he's like, yes, this is big and flashy, which means our audiences will like. I know, I would, lo- I, I love it, pal. Uh, yeah, That's yeah. Shit. Uh, uh, I'll, I trust you. You have a way to make it work. Oh, David, I've lost your audio somehow. I don't know how that happened. Nope, nothing. Yep, nothing from you, David. Uh, okay. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. I guess I'm now alone while he tries to work on that. But yes. Um, it is just, there's no sense anywhere. It feels like, as I said, it feels like they, they came up with a thing. They worked backwards to get to, to, and they worked backwards to figure out how to make it work. And it is just a dumb storyline that does that like is just structurally shit. And I knew it would be when I picked it. And I don't even think I was ready for how bad it would be. Another interesting thing about this, for you picking this, mm-hmm. um, um, as as our storyline to you know to torment me, as it were. Um, good times. This good times. story, yeah, yeah, fuck you. Uh, this story feels like it, again because it's new generation. Even then, even with this being our focal point story, this thing that you were driving home to highlight just one of the stupidest angles that WWE has ever run in its history, especially with one of its absolutely flatly most popular characters ever. Mm-hmm. Even then, 
it feels like a slight non-entity in the grand scheme of things. It is. They never will talk. They will never talk about this again. And even watching it like like unfold, even that feel everything in this era feels like an afterthought. Even the main goddamn headlining storylines feel like a half-ass afterthought. And that's what yeah. this was. And and I mean that's that's perfectly indicative of of what I mean that that, that is reflective of, of of what it is. It was half baked all the way through. But dear lord, I didn't even get the full extent of the torture because the fucking show didn't care enough to shove it in my face enough. I know. And by the time it was shoving it in my face, it was too damn late and too nonsensical for me to like, mm-hmm. for me to really be like, oh, wow, this is catastrophic. Like, I'm getting angry now thinking about it because, dear Lord, is it stupid. But, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it doesn't even, it didn't even have the self-respect to be a grand explosive cataclysm no, of, it's of, just, of writing. It's just oh, a God. boringly bad, bad story. Yeah. With plot holes, that, that that's what makes me mad about it. But it's not like it was. But other than that, it's just really boring. Mm-hmm. And that isn't that the greatest sin of all? Isn't that? I mean, that is that is the new generation. I mm-hmm. it has its moments, and it has things that look cool and things that are really kind of awesome in the moment. And there are quite a few things about this era I have come to appreciate. Mm-hmm. But that being said, like I said, everything about this era feels feels half-baked feels like it, i mean it's just so obvious that they're struggling the way they were and wwf being wwf they didn't unfortunately have the wherewithal to find creative workarounds to that a lot of the time they tried to yeah. brute force their way through doing the same thing they always did rather than doing the smart thing of hey we're having to downsize and change a lot of things up How can we make this work to our advantage? And I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just one of the great sins of this company overall is they're they're not always great at at, at twisting things to work to their advantage, even if they're a disadvantage at the time. And that's where their greatest downfalls always come. And that will always be my greatest disappointment with this company on a whole. And this, this era just unfortunately laid bare all of that. Yeah, this is... This has not been that fun of a foray uh, into the new generation, but I, th- it I feel fun I, to examine the, yes, the, the I, grand failures. Yeah, I feel I feel like this has been a good era of like an approximation of what this was like. Yeah, and why it didn't work, but in terms of like actually enjoying myself as a viewer, not really there. Yeah, and it, it, it's very insightful in coming to understand all of the flaws that are inherent to this company. Um, because they 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 are so obvious here but yeah viewership wise it's a it's a slog and i can't in good conscience recommend a large majority of this to everyone there are a few highlight matches i say to check out uh bret hart versus owen hart bret hart versus one two three kid bull nakano doing literally anything yeah definitely i i'll even throw a couple of the like razor ramon diesel uh, Sean Michaels Not type yeah. matches in there. Most um, mo- those ma- their matches with each other are decent, are pretty decent. Mm-hmm. But overall, overall, guys, do yourselves a favor and skip this one. Just because, don't bother because the new generation era is an exercise in frustration first and foremost. Frustration yeah. with a failing company that refused to get creative with their with their limitations and and frustration. In, in just loss of potential everywhere you looked. Yep. Yeah. 
So that is the best ending to this arc I could have had. Yeah, so, I mean, do you, do you have any extra thoughts on the not, new generation that you want to throw in there and final perspectives or anything? Oh, we're not doing this era for a while. Oh. I don't know how I'm going to keep finding older stories to stick in this slot, but by God, I'm not coming back to the new generation for a while. Yeah, no, God, no. Anyway, so our, that leads me to our next arc. So uh, this is a return to the golden age and my attempt to get David to, to better appreciate this era as at least cartoony fun. Okay. So let's, let's take us back to 1989. Uh, in the buildup to uh, the second ever SummerSlam. I, I keep having these stories of ours end at SummerSlam. And I, that's a complete coincidence. Uh, but it keeps happening. So, they uh, Hulk Ho uh, what are we going to have Hulk Hogan do? Um, he has just uh, had his big feud with Randy Savage. He's He has won the title back from Randy Savage after the Mega Powers done exploded. Mm-hmm. And what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, don't worry. Hulk Hogan has a cinematic masterpiece releasing in 1989, otherwise known as No Holds Barred. One of Hulk Hogan's rare wrestling movies where he is a wrestler. Um, And WWE had the brilliant idea that what if we promote this movie? And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to have the villain of the movie show up on WWE TV as their character and they're going to fight Hulk Hogan some more. Oh my God. It is an absolutely, it's absolutely insane. And I'm very excited to get to watch it, which it will include, it will start with our very first movie review because we can't possibly follow this plot line if we don't watch No Holds Barred. Oh no! Oh no! We're going to be dipping into Hulk Hogan's illustrious movie career. See, this is worse torture than anything you subjected me to with The Undertaker already. (laughs) God damn it. But that is for a few weeks from now in our next next little Ah. bit in our rotation. Uh, What is next for, what's next for us? Uh, Next well, it is. It oh ha. It ha. We. It is time. What other time could it be? But a return to the temple. It is time for more lucha underground. We are progressing along season one. We are so close. Boyle Heights, Dario Cueto, Johnny Mundo. Let's go. I love everything about this show. Okay. Uh, yes. But <laughs> as usual, I, I don't have anything to plug for what's actually going to happen. But I will say that the next episode title is titled A War Started in Mexico. Mexico. Oh, that's going to get good. What's going to go down? Only I can say because I have the, I have the results in front of me. <sighs> anyway. Wait a Anyway, David, hit the plugs. All righty. My wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friends. Thank you all so much for coming with us uh, uh, on this on this journey. For those of you who are uh, are, are uh, not new to this journey, for those of you who have, who have walked with us on this path before, uh, especially if you followed us all the way down this entire new generation arc, thank you so much for once again coming back, welcoming us, welcoming I, I, us. 
We greatly appreciate that you kept along with this. Yeah, Charlie, yes. Th in thank particular. You. Thank you for giving us company and suffering along with us on this one. Uh, thank you for us allowing us back into your eardrums week after week after week. We greatly appreciate it. We hope you continue to come back. Uh, for those of you who this is your first time, welcome. We are delighted to have you all here. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you would like to continue joining us, if you were a huge fan of what you heard just now, you're intrigued by the wild, wacky world of wrestling. We welcome noobs and knockouts alike, and you would like to continue to keep joining us. Let me tell you how to do so, my friends. First of all, you can follow, follow us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Subscribe to us. Hit that bell. Make sure it turns a nice, solid bell color so you get, uh, you, 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 you get, uh, uh, notifications every time we drop an episode. Um, uh, be sure to check out all of our our our, uh, our playlists. We Austin is a phenomenal show manager uh, who organizes all of our arcs that we follow into distinct playlists that you can that you can check out. Follow storylines all the way down through. If you're a nerd that likes to do things in chronological order, uh, like comment subscribe, add us to your playlist, whatever. We just love that sweet, sweet engagement and tells the algorithm, hey, these guys are pretty cool. Keep doing the doodly-doo. Now, you can also find us on three of the best places to podcast, and that would be on Spotify, on Apple, on Google. Give us follows, give us downloads, give us ratings. Again, all that algorithm boosting, we crave it. Uh, we love seeing those numbers go up on the uh, on the podcast uh, the podcast pages. Uh, we love that you guys are are listening along and you know making us part of your day. So yep. be sure to keep checking us out there. Uh, we also have social media. Please, please check out our social media. First of all, you can find us on Twitter at noobs and knox pod that's noobs the letter I'm gonna get used to where this is. Uh, yeah yeah if you're on if you're on youtube i gotta point it the right way yeah, we're, gonna, uh, we're, gonna, uh, we're gonna get used to where this belongs yeah, yeah yes uh, uh you, yeah you can find us you can find us there uh we we tweet out a whole bunch of stuff uh uh we we reach out memes we engage with the broader wrestling fandom on a whole uh we we post whenever uh new episodes drop and austin loves to live tweet his wrestling watching my friend what is coming up on the schedule all right as usual as usual the only rest i will live tweet uh every wednesday aew dynamite except mm -hmm. nights like tonight where i'm recording this podcast um it happens sometimes, but yes, uh, we live tweet AEW Dynamite live on TNT at 8 p.m. Eastern every single week because it is the one wrestling show that I consistently watch live. And why not make me also make that content? True. As opposed to letting myself just enjoy things. Mm -hmm. And in addition, every WWE Impact and AEW pay-per-view, I live tweet because, hey, I follow, I follow all those companies, watch all their stuff. Mm -hmm. And coming up in July... Uh, July 18th, WWE has Money in the Bank, a regular feature on this podcast. And so far, we shall we have a Money in the Bank match for men. Ricochet, John Morrison, Matt Riddle, Big E, Drew McIntyre, and at least and three other competitors in a ladder match for the become Mr. Money in the Bank. And what about Miss Money in the Bank? We got another. We got one of them too, where it's a ladder match between Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, and Carmella, and three more competitors to be determined. Uh, in addition, we have a few championship matches. Bobby Lashley, the almighty WWE champion. Looks hmm. like money, smells like money. Going against Kofi Kingston, Kofi! a fan favorite of this podcast and many I others. Love Kofi. For the WWE Championship. 
It's going to be lit, I'm telling you that. And then for the Raw Women's Championship, it will be Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, a new hey. a, a, a new favorite of this podcast from mm-hmm. what we've watched for NXT work. Yes. And then for the Universal Championship, it will be the tri- the champ, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Acknowledge him. Indeed. Against the rated R superstar, Edge. That's going to be a good time. In addition... Uh, I'm sorry, folks. I didn't realize that this pay-per-view was so close. The Impact has a pay-per-view coming up in July as well. On July 17th. That's the night before Money in the Bank, by the way. Two pay-per-views in one weekend. Going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Impact Wrestling has Slammiversary. Uh, that is their an- their anniversary show, if you couldn't tell. So what are we going to have on that show? Right now, we have three matches on the card. We have Kenny by God, Omega, the Impact Champion, as well as the AEW Champion and the Champion of AAA in Mexico. He is taking on Sammy Callahan, who is like a dirtbag hacker, but also kind of a good guy sometimes. He's kind of in between. He's kind of in the middle, to be honest, of moral. He's whatever he wants to be, pal, for the Impact title. Then, in an Ultimate X match. Josh Alexander, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Petey Williams, Rohit Raju, and Trey Miguel. I will explain to those guys another time. But the Ultimate X match, it is a match, it is a match where they take a where they take a big X. Literal X. They hang it up above the ring. They set it up on by poles and cables. And the and, and the winner is the person who can climb the pole, climb the cables, and grab the X. Uh, it sounds a little dumb, and in some ways it is. But the if you want a match where you're going to see a bunch of high-flying shit, where they're just going to do ridiculous stunts, Ultimate X is your jam. And it is it is always populated by some of the best athletes in Impact Wrestling. Mm. And then, of course, in a current singles match, we have Chris Sabin, one half of the Motor City Machine Guns. His tag team partner is currently out of action because he also he re- he works part time as a as a healthcare professional. And, you know, he was like, in this pandemic, I'm going to step away from wrestling for the safety of everybody involved in my other job. Yeah, very cool. He is in a season, a one on one match with. Moose, a former NFL football player. He's now a wrestler. He's also might be like the coolest thing in Impact. Dude is fly as fuck, and I want him to beat Kenny for the title. But yeah, they're going to have a singles match. That's going to be pretty great. And of course, it's a few weeks to go. Um, To watch uh, Money in the Bank, you would need to get a subscription to Peacock.com. Peacock TV. I gave the prices for that in the front half. Impact Wrestling, it is a traditional pay-per-view. It is available on Fight TV or wherever pay-per-view providers you have. It is $40. I accept that is a might be a little steep for you, uh, as especially if you're a newer viewer. I get it. But that is how, how the business model works. And I will tell you though, it has been a long time since I felt that Impact didn't wasn't worth that worth that $40. I will say that. And yeah, that is what we have upcoming in the near future. Nice. Yeah, so be sure to check that out. Uh, Austin's live tweeting mm-hmm. is awesome. He's very prolific with it, very insightful, very funny. 
Uh, just all great stuff to check out. Uh, you can also email us. We have a Gmail account. Be sure to check it out. It's noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word, and this time, knockoutspod at gmail.com. Uh, just send us any 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 old thing you want. Say hi. Uh, tell us what you think of the show. Uh, give suggestions or, or requests for things that you want to see in the future. What Tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Uh, just generally say hi. We love hearing from people, uh, and we would definitely love to say hi back. So if you want to reach out via email, definitely, definitely do so. We love that shit. Finally, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. $1 a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout-out at the end of each episode. Yep. And see you guys next time. Hasta luego. <laughs>